Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the com. The Chris Voss Show. .com. Hey, we're coming here with another most excellent guest, and always we appreciate you guys tuning in as our most wonderful audience. We have a, another exciting multi-book author here joining us today, and we'll get into that, but be sure to refer the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives, people that uh, you know that would love to have the show. Be sure to share it online, if you would, across your social media. You can go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the different podcast apps that are out there. You can sign up for the show, subscribe get your friends subscribe all that good stuff we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in and sharing the show anyway today we have a wonderful author uh, he is the author of think like a mind reader a book that you can take and get uh, and his name is Jonathan Pritchard He's an entertainer turned speaker, coach, and author. Uh, colleges, businesses, and entrepreneurs book him to talk about his insights into human behavior, success psychology, motivation, and communication. For the last decade, he's been on TV and toured the world as a mentalist, which has given him unique insight into why people do what they do and how to leverage that process to create a custom fit life. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. How are you today? Doing way too well. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> Doing way too well, he says. Yep. It, it's kind of weird. It's like when you've got full control over your time and who you spend it with, you don't have any boss that can fire you or hire you. It's kind of awesome. So most of the time when I'm out and about, I, I tone it down. Like, how you doing? Oh, just getting along. But really, I wake up just stoked to be alive every day. So it's <laughs> kind of annoying. But uh, when you're on a podcast with uh, awesome people, too, you don't have to, to water it down. Well, let me know when you find a podcast with awesome people. I'm just kind of average. <laughs> I'm still uh, searching. But, uh... <laughs> The, uh, you know, I, it, being alive is definitely an important thing. Uh, I remember I turned 50 this year and I was, I was bitching about the, the things about being 50. And someone said to me, you know, Chris, a lot of people really wanted to be your age and didn't make it. So maybe we should shut up. And I thought, you know, you have a point. And I bet they're great at parties. <laughs> they're great at parties. And, and uh, hopefully so am I. But uh, no, it's, it's definitely uh, life is a wonderful thing. And, it, you know, uh, what's the old saying? If you're, uh, if you're above ground every day, uh, it's probably better than the alternative. And mm -hmm. yep. So let's talk about your book. Give us some plugs of where people can find your book online and learn more about you. Yeah, it's thinklikeamindreader.com. You can read reviews, all that kind of fun stuff. The The reason I put it together is basically it's stories from the road and lessons learned on stage. Uh, you mentioned me being a mentalist, which is basically like a magician that graduated to mind reading tricks. Ah. Right? So, so I'm not psychic. I don't claim to be psychic. And I seriously doubt anybody who does. Um, so there's but, a there's a definite difference between being or claiming to be a psychic, let's put it that way, and being a mentalist. Right, right. Uh, like a magician doesn't claim to actually have wizard powers and actually conjuring tigers. You know, there's a trick to it, but you can't figure it out. It's because it's really good tricks. Same difference with a mentalist, uh, but the main difference between a magician and a mentalist is when a magician makes the tiger appear. People go, oh, my God, how did you do that? And then when a mentalist does something, they go, oh, my God, how did you know that? And mm. so that's the kind of the, the difference. Uh, but they're just tricks with information. And they work because 
mentalists understand fundamental human psychology of how people navigate reality. And then they figured out how to sidejack that process to create impossible outcomes. And it was, I've traveled the world, but I grew up as a poor kid in North Carolina, right? I was super shy, all that kind of fun stuff. And it, and eventually I realized, oh, all the psychology I'm using on stage to do what people know is impossible, I've used in my own life to live an awesome life that most people think is impossible. And then talking to people after shows, they go, oh my God, you're living the dream. You're traveling around, you're getting paid. You, you just, oh, I can't even imagine doing what you do. And that was the magic phrase. So I realized, okay, I got to talk to people after the shows and signing autographs and started sharing my ideas. And here's how I think about things. And then I started getting emails back going, oh my God, thank you so much for, for talking to me. It's been a year. Here's how things are better. And it's all because of, of our conversation we had. So then I realized, all right, now I have to share this stuff. So I crammed it all into a book. And those are the same 20 topics and ideas and principles that kept coming up over and over and over again over the years of entertaining the troops overseas. Uh, I performed at the Link Casino there on the, the Strip there in Vegas and performing at hundreds of colleges over the years. So yeah, it's it's just kind of helping people understand how they are already thinking about the world and then leveraging that process to enable them to do things that they thought were impossible but are actually achievable if you're thinking about it the right way. Yeah, and so you, technically this book is kind of a th self-help book, right? It Improve your business, right. uh, strengthen your relationships, and solve your problems. I'm reading off the cover of the book. Yeah, the the I, I like to call it, it is self-help, but there's a huge distinction to me from peddling motivation, which is a an emotional response or an emotional impetus to do something. I feel like I'm going to do something. So that's why motivational speakers, to me, are often selling temporary emotions instead of effective strategies. So the, the difference is, like an entertainer, when I'm a mentalist, I'm helping people forget their problems for an hour, which is awesome, right? Everybody needs to be distracted for an hour every once in a while just to forget their problems. But what if you could help people solve their problems permanently, right? That would be more effective, right? That would be more helpful. So it's more of helping people solve their problems through better strategies by understanding the effects of communication, how, how they make their choices, all that kind of stuff. So if you think about self-help, not just as, oh, I need to be motivated to do something, but I need to learn how to be more effective at making choices and using my resources. So, so it's more self-help through better strategies than self-help through trying to trick yourself into believing, oh, I just put it out into the universe and then whatever happens, I just, I'm not manifesting it, right? All, so that's why there's the, the difference. It's more like life physics than life magic. Mm -hmm. So you became, it looks like you've done a few different things. You've uh, been on uh, America's Got Talent. 
Yeah, went out, entertained uh, millions of people, stepped out on stage in front of the, the judges, got three out of four yeses. That was fantastic, and and it was a wonderful experience. And then, like, three seconds of that whole experience made it to air. So, <laughs> it's like, I've technically been on it. But, uh, yeah, so the judges let through more people than make it on air yeah. so that the producers have more people to choose from Mm -hmm. when they're creating the most compelling season that they could. Yeah. So that's a little peek behind the, the sausage making curtain there for, for public or uh, national television. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So what, what's the secret to magic and mentalism? The, I, are you ready to go through the five stages of grief for your sense of wonder? <laughs> because sure. that's kind of what happens you you tell people all right here's how the trick works and then they deny it no it can't be that so no that's not it then they they bargain no it has to be something more interesting and then they get angry at you it's like i bet you think i'm an idiot because something that stupid works on me then they get depressed and like i guess i am that stupid because it works on me and then they finally accept and go okay i guess that's kind of neat right but and i really am stupid oh <laughs> well here here's the deal it's really difficult to fool stupid people, right? You can't, you can't fool a camera. You can't fool a computer. Okay. The only reason why you can fool a person is you've got assumptions about how the world works that aren't accurate. Mm. That's it, right? So, so the, the real, here's the explanation for every magic trick you've ever seen and will ever see. So the magician creates a context through their words, their, their actions, their tone of voice, everything surrounding the experience is the context for the audience to make logical assumptions that are later shown to not be true. Mm -hmm. like that's it. That's every trick you've ever seen. And in the context of a magic show, that's wonderful. It's delightful and happy and everybody has a great time. But that process in your personal life is the recipe for disaster, right? So you're walking around in the dark and you make the logical assumption that the, the nightstand is a foot over here when it's actually directly in your path. You choose to behave in alignment with your assumptions about where that nightstand is. And then you smash your, your pinky toe into it, right? Reality doesn't care what you believe. It only <laughs> cares about what you do. You know, right? that should be a t-shirt right there. <laughs> I'm working on it. Working really, on it. Reality doesn't care what you what you think. It just Yeah, not not one iota. But the consequences of your choices are mm -hmm. always based in reality, but your decision making is always in alignment with what you believe about reality. Mm -hmm. And it's the space between those two things that in a magic show, your beliefs and reality, that's the potential for magic. But in your personal life, in your relationships, in your business, I think spending thousands of dollars on this ridiculous TV commercial will get me business. That's your belief. But then what actually happens? Right. So so the more clearly you can perceive reality and understand how things really work, then you can make better strategies and choices that will get you what you want instead of operating off fundamentally flawed beliefs about your business, your personal life, yourself, other people, all that kind of stuff. So the only way to do that 
is to understand how you think more effectively, and then you'll be able to achieve the impossible so effectively that people think, oh my God, you got to be psychic to be this effective to, to do that. So that's why the, the book's called Think Like a Mind Reader, which is to think about reality so effectively that you can do things that you thought were impossible five minutes ago. So does that help us basically overcome some of our self-limiting belief systems? Is that what you're saying? It's, it's how you identify those beliefs in the first place, mm-hmm. because most people aren't even aware of those narratives that are constantly playing in their mind. You've got these experiences as a kid, as a child, you go through these experiences that dictate what it is that you believe about how the world works. And then based on those beliefs, you take action that then gets you the responses that reinforces your belief. People Mm -hmm. are fundamentally motivated to reinforce what they already assume about the world than to actively seek out any kind of experience or idea that would disprove that fundamental belief. You know, I, I, I heard Anthony Robbins talk one time about how, or someone talk about how the reason that our brains function this way, Anthony Robbins, uh, I think, calls it the reticulating activating system. I don't know if that's there's truly a part of our brain that does that or an activity of our brain that does that, but... I know that uh, from my experience and and watching other people and studying this is that is that people somewhere make a belief choice, a, a decision, whether it's in reality or in complete fantasy. Uh, they could make a decision that uh, Martians live among us and are walking mm-hmm. among us, or or something really insane like that, uh, all the way to something that is you know seemingly real but not. Um, right. But somewhere, as near as I can tell, and I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong, um, somewhere in the matrix, we choose a belief. We go, I'm going to believe X, Y, Z. And what happens is, is our brains are designed in such a way that we're technically not built to hold two competing thoughts because then that's madness. Right. Cognitive so our brain says, yeah. we're not going to let you go mad. We're going to choose this side of whatever that is in XYZ, and then out of that, your brain begins building all these examples and proof, uh, mm-hmm. proofing of why that belief is true that you've chosen to believe. And over time and years and, and age, it becomes this, it, it can become uh, incredibly crazy, all the reasons you have support, supporting of this one core little belief that you chose to believe. And and I think so many people get lost. They can't ever find their way back to where they they made that turn. We talked about this right. in pre-show that there's people that you know I've seen that are well, let's just say there's people that are you know I've seen that are crazy. They, I mean they, they have to be put into a rubber room, um, and 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 sometimes and sometimes that's chemical because maybe they were they have uh, uh, schizophrenia or something like that. I, I don't think sometimes that's a choice you make. But I think there are some people who do make a choice, uh, and because they followed that wormhole, um, they end up with a gun at a synagogue, like we saw in the last few weeks. Sadly, right, um, right. And, 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 and what's weird is most of this isn't even a conscious process. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting down and filling out the spreadsheet of here's my here's belief system, right, and here's why I'm doing what I do. You're yeah. very rarely, if ever consciously aware of 
the non-conscious processes that are going on that lead you to believe things, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not even consciously aware of why the magic trick is working. You're not consciously aware of the magician's methods. You -hmm. just know that that's impossible, Yeah. right? But there there are definite processes in play that the magician has accessed mm-hmm. and is allowing to happen that leads you to believe those things that aren't true. So here's a, here's a way to help people understand it. Um, there's a, a psychology researcher, B.F. Skinner, who is, is just fascinating. So here's an experiment he would do that, that helps you understand this process a little better. So you'd have a whole bunch of cages, like one foot cube with a, a door on the front, right? So he had put a pigeon in there And there would be a lever that, just like Pavlov's dogs, if the bird hits the lever, then food drops out. Mm -hmm. So that's classical conditioning of the bird figures out, oh, if I hit this lever, then food drops out. And the bird lives in that that cage long enough to figure it out and to reinforce that belief. So then it figures out, okay, if I hit lever, then food drops out. Then... Once the the bird has been accustomed to that dynamic, Skinner would then make food drop out at random time intervals. Mm. So the the lever wouldn't work anymore. It would just be random time intervals. So what's happened is the logic of the box has been changed from the outside, but due to being inside the box, the bird isn't aware that anything has changed. Mm. So within the context of the bird's experience, it still makes sense that its input is required for the food output, mm-hmm. which means that it might be looking over its left shoulder and then food drops out and it goes, oh, oh okay, now I, I need to look over my shoulder if I want food to drop out because clearly that's what happened. Yeah. So then the bird tries to reinforce that belief. So it tests and it, it looks over its shoulder, nothing happens. And then it looks over its shoulder and then it happens again. It goes, ah, there it is. Now here's something fascinating. Intermittent reinforcement is more effective than every time. Hmm. You, you live in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is built on that fact. If you don't believe it, I don't care if you believe it or not. Vegas wouldn't, ex- wouldn't exist if that weren't a fact. Right, That's because people true. people are gambling. Yeah, intermittent. I give you a dollar, you're going to give me ninety four cents, but sometimes you're going to give me two dollars. Yeah, right. So yeah. the bird now believes that it's it's looking over its left shoulder is what makes food drop out. You know what we call that? Superstition. Superstition. Yeah. Its behavior has absolutely zero impact or influence on what's happening in the outside world. Mm -hmm. But it believes that it is because it's internally consistent with the logic of its experience. Yeah. Right. We see that all the time here in Vegas. In fact, you've probably seen that if you've studied it here. Um, We, I've had friends and associates that, that they carry around a wad this thick of their of their gambling losses. And the one thing about gamblers here is they will never tell you about their losses unless they're trying to borrow money. Uh, but usually they don't even tell you uh, about their losses then because they don't want you to know they're a loser. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, they, will, they will tell you, uh, you know, sometimes you'll hear like, God damn, I lost 4,000 today. Didn't win anything. It really sucks. And you're just like... 
what? But when they win, you know, two or three thousand dollars or you know whatever, mm-hmm. um, you you hear about them, and they and every one of them that's an addictive gambler has will tell you what their strategy is. They actually have a strategy, and yeah. you're like, wait, this is a totally random fucking process. Right, winning and the machines are actually geared to certain odds against you, uh, and, and for payout, and you think that you have a strategy yet you're always broke and and you'll you'll and I've had some of my friends will be like I won four thousand dollars today and I'll be like so pull out your wad of losses and how much money did you lose uh, this week. Or uh, how long? How much money did you lose since you last one? Well, that doesn't count. You're like, yes, it does. Right, uh, right. I remember going to lunch with some of my friends, and here, you know, we have the bars at the lunch table mm-hmm. that have the gaming built into them, and so they would they would uh, they would pay twenty bucks for a meal, uh, fifteen bucks for a meal, you know, tips and drinks and everything, mm-hmm. and then you would see them put forty dollars into the machine, and then they would win 20 and they'd be like, I just paid for lunch. And you're like, no, you're, you're not doing the math here. And they, they have a whole different level of math equations that they're using. And they'll be like, no, I paid for, I paid for my lunch and I'm ahead. And you're like, no, you paid 20 for lunch. You put 40 in the machine and you made 20. You're down 40. No, no, you don't understand, Chris. (laughs) Right. And that, and that's the thing. Everybody has those experiences that, to them, make sense. That this is the conclusion that they take away from it. And I, I call that cartoon logic, right? It's kind of like when Wiley e. Coyote runs off the the cliff and he's just hanging in midair, and then then eventually looks down and then he falls. That makes sense. Now that's not how physics works. But it makes sense within the context of that cartoon. You go, yeah, that's totally consistent with that world, right? So, so that's why everybody is constantly living in their own cartoon version of what they think their life is rather than paying attention to what is actually happening mm-hmm. and then wonder why they're, they're constantly blowing up their life, <laughs> right? Why is so, feeling? Yeah, so it's kind of like, I I get it. Everybody has had experiences that lead them to the logical conclusions of of whatever their principles and beliefs are that then perpetuate the decisions that will further reinforce those beliefs by getting them those results again and again and again. Mm -hmm. But that's that's it. George Carlin talks about this. And growing up from, like I talked to you in the pre-show, I grew up in a very religious background. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, even, uh, even my mother, bless her heart, uh, if I'm going through some sort of, uh, uh, crisis, usually, uh, sometimes financially a financial pinch or cause you know, I'm self-employed or, uh, sometimes when I've gone through an emotional one, uh, she'll, she'll be like, well, I'm going to pray for you. And then because I'm in a pinch and I'm an entrepreneur, I just work a lot harder to, to get out of that pinch because I can control my, the amount of money I make by how hard mm-hmm. I work, uh, usually. Um, and so, you know, I'll just, I'll just, you know, quit distractions, quit screwing around and go work really hard, make the money and come out of whatever pinch I was in. And, and then she'll be like, I prayed for you and see prayer works. 
And you're like, no, mom. <laughs> it says, and I think George Carlin did a thing. He does a whole bit where he talks about how, how, how uh, people think prayer works. In his studies, they found that it that fifty percent of the time, whatever you're praying about will come true. But it's usually because you've asked your brain to to go take care of that, and you focus in on it with 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 prayer. You focus your brain on how we need to resolve this issue and mm -hmm. the issue gets resolved and you're like, Oh God need that happen. And you're like, no. Oh. Right. Right. And that's the thing. If you haven't ever sat down and really thought through this stuff and really understood how to examine your, your life structure and how you think about things and how your mind works, you're, if you haven't done that, you're basically still running the software that you installed when you were a child. Yeah. It's like, what decision that you made as a child would you still think is a good idea 40 years later? Probably right? <laughs> like, none of them. It's like, I'm going to eat strawberries for dinner every night this week. Just whatever it is, right? It's just, that's the level of analysis that you're still working on. Yeah. Because that's the part of your life where you're figuring out how things work. So I think a lot of people do a lot of internal introspection that you're no, talking about. No, not at all. And, not at all. And in, in looking inside and going, uh, why am I this way? I mean, I've gone through a lot of catharsis in life, not a lot, but a few catharsis in life, where I've had to look in the mirror really hard and go, why are we built this way? What got us here and what's failing? But a lot of people don't look at what's failing. We had this discussion in the pre-show where I was, where I was talking about, where I was talking with a friend of mine um, about why people, uh, you know, go into these into these ugly states of life because of their belief systems, and a lot of times, uh, it, it, like you say, it comes out of their youth, or sometimes it comes out of a failure, and and they decide that um, that you know this this is because of someone else externally, when really we need to sit down when we fail and when we have crisis is a challenge and we need to look inside and go what's not working inside of us or what are my belief systems or why do i believe the things that i believe and how is that right. causing me to fail right the the way i like to think about that is there are essentially two types of people in the world the first is the person that is willing to take credit and the second is the person who's willing to take responsibility mm. so when things go right Everybody will go. I did that. I'm. Yep, yep. I will take credit for that. Mm -hmm, that was all me. Yeah, the I instant something goes, Rush, miracles will always have their claimers. I always like that line. Yeah, like you'll see a lot of you'll see it predominantly in religion or sometimes politics and other places where people will be like, "See, it was us all along." And you're like, "No, you didn't really. You're just you're just claiming a miracle that you had no influence." Exactly. To, uh, but then when things go the wrong way. Oh, it's somebody else's fault. Yeah, somebody else's somebody, fault. Yeah. Nope. It's, it's not me. Mm -mm. That's another thing that's always in, in uh, me studying religion from growing up, from being scarred from it as a child. That's the only, that's the, the, the funny thing is, and you, you hear a lot of communities joke about it. They're like, why does the person who, when they, you know, the, the football player, the sports, the sports basketball player, the baseball player, whatever, why is it when they win a game, they're like, thank you, God. It's God's fault. But someone lost that game. Was that God's fault too? And why does God hate the Dodgers over you know whoever, or the, in my case, the Oakland Raiders? Um, clearly, God hates us. Uh, if that if that 
mathematics is what you want to use. Yep. Belief system is what you want to use. But 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 when they lose, they don't blame God. They they're like uh, I don't know. We had bad coaching or something. Mm -hmm. But right. when they win, it isn't because they got better coaching. It's because of you know some empirical vapor. Right. Right. That, that but that's the thing. It, they it's like the, right. Dodgers. Yeah, but you can't control anything until you accept responsibility for it. Exactly. Right? Because if, if you're constantly saying, oh, it was God that did this or somebody else that did that, you're giving up your ability to control your decisions in yeah, relationship with whatever that is. Your self-actualization. Is that really right. the problem we have in our society? We're not self-actualized enough. We're not taking enough responsibility for our own internal mechanisms in mind. Oh man, that's a that's a whole nother I mean, one. Let's just, let's just not say it's the most important, uh, biggest issue. But is 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 I mean, because that, that kind of gets into self actualization, right? Mm -hmm. The enlightenment of one's being and the understanding of one's way. Or am I over? Uh, well, most defining? most people. All right, so <laughs> most people will tell you, I believe in the law of cause and effect. You do this, you get that. Yes, I believe it. Mm -hmm. Yep, mm -hmm. totally 100%. But then they believe, they they behave in a totally different way. And it shows up like, oh, well, I'm not flexible, so I can't do yoga. Oh, I'm not so strong, so that's why I don't lift weights. Mm -hmm. Right? That's That's it a fundamental inversion of how reality works uh. that it's kind of like they would say, yeah, I, I, I want to grow watermelon. So I planted squash. Mm. Like, what are you doing? It's like, you're planting squash. You're going to get squash. No, it's going to, it's going to be watermelon. Right. So it's just have these dichotomies of life where they say one thing, do another. Right. Um, me, you know, the reason I don't live for it is because I'm just fucking lazy. Ah. You accept responsibility I for your choices. You get it, right? It's no, it's no mystery why it happens, right? <laughs> but to me, it's just fascinating when people are like, I don't understand. I, I don't understand why yeah. I don't lose weight. I'm eating all these Big Mac burgers. Right. So it's, it's really most people have absolutely no concept of the law of cause and effect. And it might be because they had parents that protected them from the consequences of their decisions. Mm. Right. So we have today, maybe. Right. So if you, if you protect somebody from the consequences of their choices, mm -hmm. they will now have a warped view of what those consequences are. Yeah. Right? I think so, wasn't it, uh, uh, who was the author who uh, from the 1800s who wrote? There's something that you can learn from holding an angry cat that that uh, picking up an angry cat by the tail that that cannot be learned in any other way. <laughs> that's that's pretty great. I love that. I love that. But you know, th this shows up in business too, right? Entrepreneurs mm -hmm. like, oh well, I believe, I feel that this is going to work. And then they don't manage it. They don't measure the results. They don't have an accurate perception of reality. So they're going based off their feelings, which reality doesn't have any care about. Right. And then they will then blame anything other than their lack of accurate understanding of how things work. Yes. 
It was Mark Twain who said, if you hold a cat by the tail, you will learn things that cannot be learned in any other way. <laughs> That's fantastic. I and, love and, that. And as well, it should. I mean, we all, I think we all have to go through the experience of where your mom says, don't touch the oven, don't touch the oven, don't touch the oven. And as a kid, invariably you touch the oven and that, that's that's a lesson you can only learn by touching the oven, sadly. Right, right. Yeah. You can you can read it a million times. You yeah. can hear it a thousand times. You do it once, you get it. You get it, and hopefully you 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 walk away from it. <laughs> so uh, same thing with holding the cat by the tail. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it is it is a, an interesting discussion. I mean, I I really think. One of the big challenges we have in life with people self self um, understanding is is we don't spend enough time teaching mental health. We don't spend enough time teaching real psychology. It seems like in psychology classes we teach all this bullshit about everything, but we don't teach people like what do I do what's with what's going on in here and the information mm-hmm. that's in here. Well, to that point, I, I love I love this is. Most psychology research is maybe a hundred years old, mm-hmm. right? Accurate, testable claims that are evaluated through the scientific method, that kind of thing. But magicians have been doing magic since before recorded history. Mm-hmm. Now, here's another detail. I don't care what culture you're from. When that tiger shows up in that cage, you're amazed. Yeah. So magicians are leveraging psychological processes that are pre-cultural, that mm. are pre-cognitive awareness. They're mm. fundamental processes that are in play. No matter what person you are on the planet, this is how your mind works. Now, most of the psychology research is bounded by the particular culture of whoever it is they're studying. So whatever the, the understanding of that psychology research has very little bit transfers across cultures, mm-hmm. but magicians cross-cultural appeal, man, they, they, they understand something that psychologists haven't yet even touched on. Mm-hmm. So magicians and mentalists, which is a subset of magician, we've got tens of thousands of years of tradition to pull from of experiential knowledge Every time I do a show, every time I do a presentation, every time I train in a company or anything, those are hundreds of data points of the human experience and insight that most psychology will never even be able to touch. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've had 45,000 hours of thinking about and experiencing this stuff on a level that most people can't even begin to approach. So that's wow. why I, I just needed to share this with the world because it's literally life-changing stuff. Yeah. I grew up, a, like I said, a shy kid, poor as hell. Some days my parents had to make the insanely tough choice of, do we give them lunch money or is it our gas money to get to the factory? Wow. Like literally they had to make those choices. So it wasn't that I was born into some family with money that has a performing pedigree that then got me contracts to travel the world. I had to figure that stuff out myself. Mm-hmm. And if and, and I figured it out. Yeah. And then I've been at it long enough that it feels like second nature, but it's not my inborn person. Yeah. So the fact that I figured it out, that I've made the, the, the choices and effort to make it work, 
and I've I've crashed and burned a lot. I was married. I, I got married, got fat, got divorced, got fatter, right? And and so I've I've imploded before and then figured how to get my way out. So it's I, interesting I feel, yeah. when you go through those catharsis of times. That's the points that we that we um, are forced to look inward. And 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 what I realized over life is maybe we should spend more time looking inward so that we don't hit these these uh, giant uh, catharsis of things and right. really question. Um, you know, I remember uh, Anthony Ramos talked about this. He said he said you know when you start when you start building. When you take a belief and then you start building the support systems around it and belief system around it that support this one belief, a good example is like anytime anyone's ever bought a car, you buy a blue, you buy a red Corvette, you start driving down the road and right away you start noticing like you've never noticed before everyone who has a red Corvette or any car. I've bought BMWs and mm -hmm. I'm like, look at that smart guy. He bought a black BMW. He is a very smart person like me because that validates that there are other people that have bought it and therefore they must be smart. Um, right. Well, the, the process that, that's going on there is that we, th we think that our senses bring in information, mm -hmm. but we actually have precognitive level processes that filter out most information. Wow. And what is filtered out is dictated by what it is that you value. Mm. Right. So before you buy the car, that car is not valuable to you. Therefore, your precognitive processes do not allow you to be consciously aware of those details. Isn't that interesting? Well, you, you would have seizures. The 2016 election where people played on people's darkest prejudices and people played on the thing and, 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 uh, and how we, we really don't process information from everywhere. We, we process information that we're looking for that we choose to believe in that which validates or supports our belief systems. Right. And, and another example is if you're at a party, a cocktail party, and it's really loud, you can barely hear the person talking to you and you have to really attend to them to, to hear what they're saying. But then clear across the room, somebody said, Jonathan, you're like, yeah, right. Yeah. You, you're, you're hearing everything, mm -hmm. but you're aware of very little that is making it through the liminal barrier. That's why subliminal advertising, right? Below the level of conscious awareness. You've mm -hmm. got so much more awareness in your mind than what your consciousness is working with. So right? what, So as a guy, if I'm watching TV or playing a video game and my girlfriend starts talking to me, I have a tendency to, to not hear her. Is mm -hmm. it, so basically what you're saying is I'm not hearing her because I really don't want to. It's that your current value structure does not reinforce attending to what she's saying. <laughs> so that's what you're saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we all did that. Like as a kid, your mom would start calling you, hey, come to dinner. You know, of course, this is, right. I, I grew up in this weird era of childhood where we actually played outside. Yep, play with sticks and, and leaves, yep. Yeah, so your mom would have to yell down the block, Chris, come to dinner, you know, and, and yep. where's is you're you're in on the couch working your iPad or your phone, um, and uh, and you would ignore her, and then you know she would you know she would amp up the the rhetoric of of how painful it was going to be if you didn't show up for dinner, right? Um, 
and then finally when she, you know she, usually by the time she would use your middle name that's when you knew that mom the, all three names you're like okay now yeah. i gotta go your middle name yeah. came up you know uh yeah. then you're like okay she's pissed we push this right. sucker as far as but, we can go Oh, there, there was another detail I wanted to, to make sure I, I touched on about when you're going through the catharsis, the, the horrific experiences that finally teach you a lesson and why that is. Success teaches you nothing. It's only your failures that will teach mm -hmm. you something, right? So if you go back to the example of the nightstand, mm -hmm. well, you could believe something that's wrong. You could believe it somewhere else than where it is but you could successfully make it to the bathroom in the middle of the night in the dark and not stub your toe. So your belief, which is wrong, is still there. Mm -hmm. Even though your behavior was not in alignment with reality, it's just when that, that belief is wrong that causes pain that shows you you need to update your internal maps of external reality. So successful behavior won't inform you at all. It's only the failures that will force you to change or update your models. So in the, like in the example of the bird, uh, does success sometimes give us false, um, what's the word I'm looking for? False. Uh, uh, false positives. False positives. That's the word. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Positives. Because I've certainly been successful in certain things and I thought I'm fucking great at this. And mm -hmm. now, and then sometimes looking back when it failed, you realize that maybe sometimes you just got lucky. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so that's it. You, you that's attribute success to your skill and you attribute failure to external circumstances. Uh -huh. Right. So then no matter what happens, you don't know what is responsible for that success, but you believe it's you. So let's keep doing more of that. One of the things I learned a long time ago, uh, and I was very lucky to get into a seminar with Lou Tice, and I remember um, he did this thing, and I, I've done the videos on it and stuff, where he, he took and he did a he did this experiment where he he put nine uh, dots that look like kind of like a tacked, uh, tic tac toe box, basically mm -hmm. a box, and there's nine dots, three down one side, basically three on each side, technically if you overlap them. Um, and he would, he would do a premise where he's like, okay, take these three, these nine dots and in this box and connect them with four straight lines without lifting your pen. And they have to be straight lines. Well, you can't do it within the confines of what is an imaginary box that you create in your mind by looking right. at the nine dots. Uh, you actually have to take the lines outside of the box and outside once again, as you cross through and then back over, and then you can create four straight lines. But people create this this scotoma in their brain uh, where they lock themselves inside the confines of that imaginary box um, and they don't go outside of it. And so I learned from that concept to start thinking outside the box, to asking mm -hmm. why do we do things? How do we do it? And I'm sure you've right. touched on this in your book and we should probably maybe speak to the, the business aspects of it. But one thing I learned with my businesses was constantly questioning my business and going, why do we do things this way? Why do we make this happen? And there's a lot of books that address this because uh, businesses will do things and you'll be like, why do we do business this certain way? And they'll, and people will say, because we've always done business this certain way. And you're like, but why? And then, and then once you start questioning why you do stuff and challenging 
why you do stuff. I mean, I've, I've even challenged my own process that I built. Like, why did I build this this way two years ago? Is it still valid? Mm-hmm. Um, does it need to be changed? Is it, you know, why, why did I build it this way? Right. Instead of going, well, I built it this way. So I'm therefore the most smartest man in the world. And there can be no right. Right. Yep. Well, that, that's the thing. That's a, a fundamental cognitive bias is you assume there are limits mm-hmm. and then behave as though they're real mm-hmm. and then go so far as to assume everybody else is limited in that same way. Mm-hmm. So you think everybody is limited like you mm-hmm. <laughs> and then kind of like, Oh, who are you to write a book? Why did you write a book? Like I'm, I couldn't write a book about that. So you can't either. Like, nope, I am not bound by that limitation. Thank you so much. Right. And uh, yeah, so it's and, and that's it's us projecting of, our limitations on someone else. Right. Exactly. And in the business world, especially entrepreneurship, is everybody's looking for that that trick or that hack or that that insight. OK, you need to click this button on your Facebook ads and that's the secret. And then you'll suddenly be successful, right? <laughs> but the problem is no amount of business tactics are going to address a personal problem showing up in your business. Yeah. And to me, there is no separation between business and personal life. It's all a function of your relationship, which is a function of your communication skills, which is a function of how well you understand people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's it. So everybody goes, oh, so you're, uh, I want the business stuff. Enough talking about all this personal and, and, and understanding mindset and, and this kind of junk. I'm like, you know, that's the only thing. You're in business with people. The yeah. robot revolution hasn't happened quite yet. So if you're doing anything that has anything to do with a person, and oh, by the way, you're a person, yeah. you need to understand this stuff. The better you do, the better your business, the better your relationships, personal family across the board. So like, but I, I wanted to talk about Facebook ads and you're like your Facebook ads, your, your tactics, your techniques will, will naturally flow from a more accurate understanding of reality and nature. Because those are the people are the ones that you will have seen the ads and, and that you'll be appealing to. Exactly. Exactly. So I always think about it uh, from the business world from kind of three levels that I took from being a performer and a a world-class speaker is that you've got the public, which Mm -hmm. is every single human being on on the planet, which are most people haven't heard of you. Mm -hmm. So you would you would speak to them in a particular way Mm -hmm. to get them in the door to sit down in your audience. Mm-hmm. So an audience member is somebody that is already kind of pre-qualified to like what it is that you do based on whatever it is you said in your advertising and your marketing to appeal to exactly the right person that you want for your experience or show. Mm-hmm. Then from that audience, you might get a couple people who will then be lifelong fans, mm-hmm. people that love you, will tell their friends about you and and sign uh, or, or buy the VIP experience to get their T-shirt signed by you, that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you would speak to your fans differently than you would an audience, which you speak to them differently than you would the public. Mm-hmm. But you need to talk to all of those people in order to be successful. 
right? Yeah. So that's kind of how you filter your marketing, your general message to the public to get them to your website. And now they're your audience. Then you get your audience to take action, to sign up for your email list, to then be a fan that they want to hear from you every time. Yeah. So that's how these, these strategies play out in the business world, whether your, your strategy is a brick and mortar company, how do you get people in the door? How do you get them to buy more once they're there? How do you get them to come back? That kind of thing versus from how do you design your website to get people to take action? Like that's a magic trick. What magic trick do you want? Oh, I want them to sign up. All right. So now let's design an experience like the pigeon box where the most likely behavior will be for them to sign up. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you offering more options than that? Well, then you're now giving them options that you don't want. So remove those options from their choice. Leave them the only option that you want, which is to sign up, not call now or find out more. Click over, watch this video. I don't want them to watch a video. I want them to sign up to the email list, right? So many people don't even define the behavior that they want from their, their clients, from their uh, customers, from their girlfriend right? They just, they never specify what it is they want out of the relationship. So they have no way of building an effective strategy because you haven't even defined the bullseye you're aiming for yet. So short of buying your book, give us a few final tips as uh, how we should approach, uh, I, I guess, what, what you say, identifying either what we want or um, looking or self looking inward at, at our, at our, uh, or what would you recommend? Let's just say that uh, maybe a few tips you can throw right. out. I, I would say ask more questions, ask mm. why five times mm -hmm. for everything, that, that kind of thing. And if you have, if you're not in the practice of doing this just for a day, try radical responsibility, take mm. responsibility for every single thing that happens, right? And then just be aware of how your choices are helping continue the experiences that reinforce the situation you're in, mm -hmm. right? So if, if you're used to blaming anything other than yourself, try blaming yourself for once and then accepting responsibility, which will then give you the control to make better choices. Definitely something I think we all need to do. We need to start going. Did this start with me? Um, Hint, I, I know. I know. Some it women does. Where, where they go? What did I do to cause this? Uh, and maybe that's what we all should maybe do a little bit more. Um, but uh, definitely taking personal responsibility for stuff. I, I really think, like I said, more people need to be self-actualizing. But you know, it's not the sexy answer. It's not the it's not the cool answer. It's not the yeah. latest tip trick or mind hack, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not a push button solution. Everybody wants the push button solution. Oh, I wish I could push buttons then lift weights. You know, you could just go lift weights. No. <laughs> so for the the one or two of you out there in podcast land who are going to take action, I salute you, and I can't wait to meet you in Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how far we'll go in work and, and distance uh, either mentally or physically or, or just bullshitting ourselves with uh, the answer where uh, we'll go through, we'll go to avoid having to face the reality of ourselves and our own will. Yep. But you know, looking over your left shoulder, will get you food. 
yeah. right? Yeah. Opening opening that gate is terrifying. It's scary out there, but I know how things work in here, so I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. Nope, you don't. <laughs> and it, it, it's so easy to it's so easy to blame other people, to blame externals, uh, to point to things, to use superstition. Um, to, to use, uh, I don't know, what would be a good word for it? To use logic that uh, is convenient. Um, we see this with our, with our purpose in politics where people read news uh, now, and I forget what they call it, but people only read news that, that instead of informing them, like you said earlier, we don't process all the information. We, pro- we process what we're uh, prejudiced to. Um, you know, people are just reading what they want to believe. Um, and, uh, answers are comfortable. Questions are uncomfortable. So we're looking for answers. Questions get you into really sticky territory really quickly because the answer is always, it's you. (laughs) You are the only common denominator. Inside each one of us, not each one of us, but, but if you, you're asking those questions, you may not like the answers you find, but facing them certainly is one of the, the biggest things that can cause you the most growth because mm-hmm. once you face those catharsis, those challenges of belief system that you put yourself through, you you get a better understanding of yourself and why you failed, and then you can prevent it from happening again. It's amazing me how people go through all life with just these odd belief systems and they can't figure out why they keep failing or they can't even reason to themselves the fact that they are failing. Like everyone else around them is going, you're really failing at this consistently. Um, right. And they're like, no, I'm not. I'm really good at it. The rest of you suck. I have I, a job I, have I hate. Father. I spend 50 hours a week with coworkers I can't stand. My job, my my boss is awful. I hate my spouse. I resent my children. I hate my family. But you know what? I'm living the dream. It's good. What more could you ask for? It's like the the le- living dreaming. It's li- yeah, but freedom and and control over your own life feels scary if you're not used to it. I and I, you know I've lived with that. My father, God bless him, his soul. He was a really nice guy, but he had severe narcissism, and he literally believed that he was the man with all the answers and all the right belief systems, and that everyone else was wrong. And I remember getting to an argument with him one day and challenging him. And I said, I want you to tell me one thing that you did wrong today or this week. I want, I want one thing from you. I don't care if it's like you were driving down the road and you should have turned right, you turned left, or you should have turned and said you went straight. Uh, the fact that you, I don't know, didn't flush the toilet. And say, you know, I just, I just said, look, I want, I want you to admit to me one thing that you did wrong. One thing that you did wrong. And and one of the challenges was he was such a narcissist, he couldn't do that. And uh, it became a physical altercation as a result of, of his ability to not only unresolve that in himself, but he felt that was the resolution. Uh, and he was a good man. He, he was a sometimes a confused man and I, I'm not sure I'm the better man either because I, I have my own scotomas that I built in these old, these 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 paradigms of where I, I don't see reality or or uh, or or you know the real results of, of right. what I'm doing or my my uh, my vapid or or failing belief systems that aren't working. Um, right. 
but, that, but that's what uh, I was saying. You, you can't think outside the box, mm-hmm. right? Like the pigeon, it's not free to leave the box. It can only understand the, the logic of its experience. Mm-hmm. So you can never experience or understand meaning outside of a context. Mm-hmm. So you can never think outside the box. You can only think into a bigger box, mm-hmm. which is why one, anytime somebody tells you, you need to think outside the box, if they can't explain that bird's story, they don't understand what they're talking about. And two, you have to understand that here's a, here's a handy heuristic, uh, a filter for taking advice from people. Only take advice from people who are living a life that you would want to live mm-hmm. because the instant you start putting into practice their strategies, you're going to start getting their results. Mm-hmm. So if they aren't living a life you want, you can, you can ignore their input all day long. Yeah. And and some people don't have good perceptions of what those strategies are. Like I've seen people that are like, I want to be like that person who posts those pictures on Instagram. I want to be the person, you know, they have that FOMO uh, thing where they, where they want to be the person who's on Facebook. Margie always shows pictures of where she's always traveling on vacation. I want to live her life. And you're like, I, I don't know. Margie's just running up credit card debt. And, uh, getting yep. guys to pay for vacations and whoring herself out or something. I don't, you know, I don't know what Marty's, where Marty's getting all that money, but maybe it's not the best productive way that you would choose or anyone else would choose to go mm-hmm. about that. I'm just kind of making up an example there. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and, and in the social media, there's a lot of deception of what people's strategies are and how they got there and how they're successful. Uh, when I've been successful in life and maybe it was lucky, uh, I'm not sure if it was self-made. Um, I always, I always wonder whenever I hear that line. I'm a self-made, successful person. You're like, well, you did it alone, like with your own money. Like you didn't use anybody else's or sell products that other people gave you. The right. You right. The, the weird thing it. is, the only way you can get wealthy is by providing solutions that people want. Yeah. So you have to sell something to people. Exactly. And, and so be other people are involved. So thereby, you are not self-made. Um, but it's interesting how people get into their thing. So anyway, thanks, Jonathan, for sharing some of the tips from the book. I'd encourage everyone to check out, read his book, get into it. Uh, I got a chance to look over his website. It was pretty intuitive uh, and interesting. It's some of the different things that I can learn about myself and uh, different strategies I can use and all that good stuff. Uh, give us your plugs once again, Jonathan, so people can take a look at them. Yeah, you got it. Visit thinklikeamindreader.com to check out the book in the video series, which has over three and a half hours of, of this kind of mindset training to help you reset your, your heuristics and, and strategies, that kind of thing. And then you can find me at Twitter at the underscore Pritchard, where I tweet all the time. <laughs> so those are the, the two best places to go to get in touch. And uh, if you're ever planning an event where people are getting together and you want them engaged, look me up. Sounds good. Well, thanks for coming on the show. We certainly appreciate our audience for tuning in. Be sure to go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button. Go to iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Refer the show to your friends. Share on social media if you would, please. We certainly appreciate that as well. Thanks to my audience for tuning in. We'll see you next time.